And you guys listen to the words of that song? And you're coming and you're going. He is for you. And if he is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that something? That is cool. And that is confidence giving. And I love it. Tell you what else I love. Come recite this verse for me. Who, yes, yeah, Stacey, you got it? Stacey, you got it. Whichever one. She got to hurt back. You come up here. <laughs> Y'all remember what it was? Thank you, Dr. Patty. Me and you and Stacy, the only one to remember what it was. Give it to me, Stacy. Amen. Amen. That's all right. My, uh, we, we talked about it Wednesday morning. It, it, my my uh, translation says unstained from the world, uncorrupted from the world. Isn't that something? That's the part that I really like. Thank you, Stacy. We're going to do, uh, just so y'all know, our memory verse next week is James 2, 8 and 9. 8 and 9. And uh, we'll, I'll call on somebody next week. All right, guys, we're going to continue this series of a faith that works when, when uh, uh, life don't, of, of, of living through a, a pandemic or a crisis. You know, when people are under stress for a long time, it tends to bring out the worst in us. Am I right? When you're under stress, it does. When you're squeezed, something's coming out. As this pandemic goes on, we're just not always at our best. We're irritable. We're impatient, self-centered, and oftentimes in a, we often look for scapegoats to blame when we're weary and, and fearful of people that are not like ourselves. Amen. I wish, and I know y'all wish, that everybody looked like me. But we don't. We don't look alike. We don't act alike. We don't think alike. And during these times of crisis, we're fearful of people that are not like us. And under stress, our natural biases tend to rise. We tend to be less tolerant of differences. Amen? That just means you agree. We tend to be more prejudiced toward other people. Amen? The Bible calls this the sin of partiality. The sin of partiality. Today we call it prejudice or, or discrimination. And it's not surprising that, that during this COVID crisis, that, that, that the, the divide of the, the cultural well, I, I should have said the cultural divisions have increased. Am I right? Because we're on edge. 
and we're, we're stressed out. So today I want us to consider this as kind of a subtitle that a faith that shows respect to everyone. A faith that shows respect to everyone. It's this partiality, this sin of partiality, it's a sin that's not talked about a lot. But it's everywhere. This, this sin of, of partiality. Well, what is that? It's showing favoritism and bias towards some people and showing prejudice and bias against other people. Amen? That's what it is. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, Jim, I'm not prejudiced, and I'm certainly not a racist. Well, I want you to hang on a second. I may fit you in here somewhere. Let's look at some subtle ways that you and I might show partiality. Maybe not racially. Are you quick to judge other folks because of their hairstyles? That you would consider weird? You know what I'm talking about. Are you quick to judge folks who have different piercings in different parts of their body? Like an earlobe the size of a dollar? Are you quick to judge them? Are you quick to judge people who are fat? Talk to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Are you quick to judge people who are skinny? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times I heard, Jim, you need to go eat a biscuit or something. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about a little bias for them or, or, or against them. Who dress differently? Different religions? Immigrants? Younger than you? Or as I'm about to experience people that are older than you? And maybe I already have. All of these subtle biases in our life. They're subtle, but they exist. What about people that make more money than you? We judge them. Or people that make less money than you? We judge them. Or people that are prettier than you? Or people that are uglier than you? It's a big deal to God, this sin of partiality. And it should be a big deal to us too. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, God never shows partiality and he cannot be corrupted. God's never unfair. He, he, he is never unjust. He's never prejudiced. 
Second Chronicles 19.7 says, God does not tolerate injustice, partiality, or corruption. And if God don't, we shouldn't. We shouldn't either. He's never unfair. He's never, never unjust. We should never be unfair. We should never be unloving. We should never be dishonest. Now, after eight weeks, we're finally out of the first chapter of James. Today we enter the second. And I can't tell you how many times I've read it this week. Let me read it to you. But I want you to go back and read it. James 2, 1 through 9. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Which... He has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. This is an example of economic prejudice. Favoring the guy who's got money might get you somewhere and it might get you connected Well, why does God hate prejudice so much? Let me give you four reasons. I hope you're writing this down. Let's go real quick. Number one, prejudice questions God's creation. Prejudice questions God's creation. It was God's idea to create us all different. He thought up culture. He thought up gender. He thought up all the shapes and sizes. You know what? At the diner, something happened to me over the past two or three years, and I, I listen to what people order. You got this meeting three going on, and, and if someone orders, we'll say country fried steak gravy, we put white gravy on top of it, and then if they order mashed potatoes, then they order coleslaw, and they order ball cabbage. I say, that plate ain't going to be pretty when it comes out because it's all white. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what makes a plate pretty? Put a little color beside it. 
make it different, a totally different color. And it makes a plate pretty. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want no ugly plate. I'm going to tell you something. That's the same is true of people. The same is true of people. We're much more interesting when we're around people who are different than us. You see, a racist is basically saying, God, you made a mistake in creating different kinds of people. God don't make no mistakes. But a racist is saying that. He's saying you should have made everyone like me. You messed up, God. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's what's, what's narcissism. Acts 17, 26 says, From one man, Adam, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. He said Asians will be Asians. Africans to be Africans. Middle Easterns to be Middle Easterns. Americans to be Americans. And Rock Martins to be good looking. <laughs> God loves diversity. Don't he? He loves diversity. Just, just look around. Anytime that I think less of God's creation, including people, I'm forgetting who made me. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Who says you're better than others? And what do you have that was not given to you by God? And if it was given to you, why do you brag as if you did not receive it as a gift? We're all part of the human race. There's only one race, and that's the human race. Number two, prejudice is a sign of ignorance. Prejudice is a sign of ignorance. What that means is I don't know what I'm talking about. It's revealing your foolishness. It's, it's shouting that I don't understand God's plan. I don't understand God's purpose. I don't understand God's people. People are always down when they're not up on. See, I learned something from Nick. He laughed the first time I said it because I'm learning from Nick. I, I tell everybody all the time, I'm color blessed. We was talking about somebody that, that was doing good. And I said, that's what's up, ain't it? He knows what's up. People are always down when they don't know what's up. First John 2.11 says, Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Anytime I show favoritism or I show prejudice, I'm usually just walking around in the darkness. I'm ignorant. But on the other hand, 
the wiser you become, the more unprejudiced you will be. James 3, 17. We're going to come back to James chapter 3. But true wisdom from above is pure, peaceful, gentle, friendly, full of compassion, and is free from what? Prejudice and hypocrisy. True wisdom. Don't you call yourself wise if you think folks are more or less than you are. We're all the same. Knowledge may show up on test, but wisdom shows up in relationships. Number three, prejudice disobeys the great commandment. Well, what's the great commandment? Paul quotes it again in Galatians. The entire law is summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if, instead of showing love, you attack and tear each other apart, watch out. You'll destroy yourself. That's strong. Paul knows what's up. You get that? Instead of love, you tear and attack, you'll tear yourself down. There's a, today, there's a lot of, of, of division. There's, there's, there's partisanship. There's, there's angry words in our society. We're tearing each other apart. The Pharisees ask, who is my neighbor? You know why? They themselves did not want to love everybody. And Jesus outsmarted them, as always. Y'all remember what he said to them? He told them the story of the Good Samaritan. They hated the Samaritans. Of course, the Samaritans hated them too. But the Samaritans were a hated minority. Jesus is saying, treat everyone with respect and love. I'm going to tell you something, guys. The church, the body of Christ, is to be the answer to racism, sexism, economic prejudice of all kinds. Amen? The church is the answer. You know what the church is? You are. You follow and you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should be the answer. Number four, prejudice is a serious sin. Prejudice is a serious sin. God don't wink at this. God don't wink at this. I remember when I was a little kid and I was acting up. Daddy walked by and he winked at me. I knew I was doing wrong, but it was somehow okay with him. He thought it was cute. He thought I was up to something like a boy did. God don't wink at this. God don't wink at prejudice. The Bible says it makes God mad that God will not tolerate injustice. He will not tolerate prejudice. He will not tolerate corruption. James 2.9, let's go with it. If you treat people according to their outward appearance, you are guilty of sin. And God's law condemns you as a lawbreaker. I've been to a, to a lot of different parts of the world. And I believe that prejudice is the most prominent sin around the world I believe it is because no matter where you go in the world somebody don't like 
somebody else. One tribe don't like another tribe. Dark skin don't like light skin. North don't like the south. Everybody has a scapegoat. You know what I told my daughter one time? She was about 12. I was wrong. I said, Sarah, I said, you're 12 years old, man. These boys are going to be calling you. We was all at the dinner table. I said, these boys are going to be calling you. I said, do your poor daddy a favor. And she said, what? I said, don't ever bring no Yankee home or anybody from Kingston. And she said, you can't do that. You can't blanket a whole town and a whole uh, part of the country. I said, I just did. I was halfway joking. Everybody has prejudice. Everybody has prejudice. And getting this out of, out of hearts. is not a minor issue with God. It's at the heart of the gospel. Heart of the gospel. Write, write, this, write this down right here. Racism is a problem of sin, not skin. Racism is a problem of sin, not skin. One day we're all going to give an account of this one day to God. Romans 14.10, we're on the back side of this outline now. So why do you judge your brother? And why do you think that you are better than he is? We'll all stand before God one day, and he will judge us all. Not just race, economic prejudice, how they look, where they work, how they talk, their accent. Why do you judge? Why do you think you're better? Well, the problem is everyone, uh, every one of us grew up being raised to distrust what is different and who is different. Being different is not demonic. It's just different. You and I naturally feel comfortable around people like yourselves, like we are. It's just normal. It's human nature. Well, how do we root out of this, this, this sin of, of partiality, this racism, this prejudice, this, this bigotry, this, this favoritism? How? Well, well we're not going to solve it today. It's going to take a lot more Sundays than this. But I would like to leave you today with one action step to work on this week so that you can become a little less biased, a little less prejudice of people who are different from you, who have different religions than you, who are of a different race, who have different economics. And the first step is this. Write this down. We must learn to see people as God does. We must learn to see people as God does. Now, this is not natural, but it can be learned. It can be learned. And, but we need to ask God for help. 
How do we do this? I want to share some scripture with you. First Samuel 16, 17. Some of you need to hang on to one or two of these. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Look at the heart. You know what studies have shown? They have shown that people make a judgment about you in the first 30 seconds. Did y'all know that? They judge how you look. They, they, they judge how you dress, how you behave, how you talk. John 7, 24. Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Now, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you've got to follow what he said. If you're going to claim to be a Christ follower, then this is your guide. What Jesus is saying here is, is don't be shallow. Or if you're from where I come from, don't be shallow. Don't be shallow. Learn to see people the way God sees them. And the Bible's full of examples of prejudices. Folks having to learn and to love people that are different. Y'all remember Jonah and the whale? Y'all know why Jonah didn't want to go? He didn't like them people. He was prejudiced. Y'all remember Peter? Peter didn't like the Gentile. They ate pork. They ate things that he, he came up believing they shouldn't eat. Acts 10, 28 says, Peter said to Cornelius' household, you know Jewish law forbids us from associating with people of another race. But God has shown me that no race is inferior or unclean. Ooh, has God put that message on your heart yet? Acts 10, 34 and 35, Peter says, I now realize that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. I'm going to ask you to ask God to help you see people differently and to see how God looks at them. That teenager with the strange clothes. That older person. person with tattoos that person with with body piercings that rich person that poor person i believe if you want to put this in your outline i believe that god's plan to bring people back together is the church is the church my prayer is that our church looks different we are the family of God you and me we're the family of God and as a church we're called to model unity as a church we're called to, to, to model reconciliation as a church we're called to model fellowship all of this to the rest of the world to the rest of the world when the world is divided the church is called to be united. We're to be different. We're called to be holy, set apart. 1 Corinthians 12, 
where am I at here? Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. Some have been slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body through one spirit. And we have received the same spirit. Now all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a necessary part of it. Guys, you are needed in the family of God. And if you have been baptized in the spirit, you are part of the family of God. You're part of the body of Christ. Who all has been baptized in here? Just show me by raising your hand. You are part of the family of God. You are needed. To, for us to be able to model this reconciliation. For several different reasons. Number one, none of us are complete in ourselves. Number two, we can't model reconciliation by ourselves, can we? We can't do that by ourselves. It's easy to love people like yourselves who are lovely and they're, they're cool. But to learn real love, God's going to put you around some unlovely people. Unlovely people. Maybe just a little different. Just a little different. Just a little different. We have to be in a group. In a group where people are different to model reconciliation and my prayer for North Point Church is the same as it was 22 years ago that there would people come that look different that act different that walk different that all types of skin and backgrounds and everything that we'd be a, a, a hodgepodge a potpourri I almost wanted to name us potpourri church Sound good. Don't sound kind of feminine, but we are all right with potpourri. Potpourri's out of style now anyway. And nobody likes that stuff anymore. Look like wood shavings to me anyway. <laughs> the, third, the, the third thing is that we find our identity in relationships. Don't know that? We find our identity in relationships. This world is fracturing. I don't know if that's a good good word or not. But in a crisis, the world's in a crisis of identity. Big, big crisis. You know, you, you, say, all, you say all over, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I belong to. I don't know what gender I am. Mm. What culture am I? We see this struggle everywhere. Why? Because their relationships are broken. Relationships are broken. People don't know who they are. It's something radical from, from, from Galatians 3, 26, 28. So now you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have been made like him. So the, Oh, here's the radical part. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile slave or free, male or female, for you are all Christians, one in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you guys that have been saved. This is, this is radical. This term, no longer, this is radical. If you put your trust in Christ and joined his family, this is who I'm talking to. 
if you've done that, your primary identity is not your nationality. Do you follow me? Your primary identity is not your economic status. Your primary identity is not your race. Your primary identity is not your gender. The Bible says, if I've been saved, my primary identity is I belong to God's family. I am a child of God. That is my primary identity. Do you really know what that means? That I got more in common with Nick Sellers, who is a, a black American Christian, than I do with a white American family member of mine who does not know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We are family. We are family. You know why? Because I ain't always going to be an American. But I'm always going to be in the family of God. Colossians 3.11. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social or position is what? Unimportant. Such things mean what? Nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters. And he is equally available to all. That's racial reconciliation. That's reconciliation. Only the injustice of what was done to Jesus Christ on the cross is powerful enough to stop all the injustice in the world. Only. I want to tell you as we're closing, if you're not in the family of God, you can fix that today. I also want to tell you, if you've been, if you have not been treated fairly because of your race, because of your age, because of your economic status, because of your heritage, because of your sex, I want you to know is that you have a Savior who understands because he was also treated unfairly. He understands. And I want you to know today, you can be welcome in the family of God. And if you don't have a local church home, you can't beat this one. We welcome you. I want you to know if you've been saved, accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the baptism's full. We got a baptism in 11 o'clock service, but... But we can do it today, too, this morning, too. You just let me know. Let's pray. My Lord, my Lord, I'm overwhelmed with, with gratitude, with excitement. But there may be one here. I don't know. I, I can't claim to know there is. 
that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would come today and talk to me. I pray that they, the one that's been hurt from the world, from maybe from another church, maybe from their, their family member. I pray for the folks who've been been prejudiced, been partial, been showing favoritism, that that would stop today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that that would stop. We belong to the family, your family. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.